Good morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning. I think most of us remember back in 2008 when the Olympic Games came to Beijing. It was a time when China was able to open up their doors and everybody was able to uh, see how they showcased their people, their country, and their culture. Amid all the culture that was on display, one Chinese oddity was minimalized a little bit, and that was their menu. The Chinese government, what they did for visiting athletes was they issued a 170-page booklet that gave English names to their Chinese meal names. And they initially decided to go with the direct English translation of those meal names. And the result was a little odd, sometimes a little strange, and quite often very humorous. Take, for example, the spicy dish, uh, Maypo Tofu. Directly translated means bean curd made by a pockmarked woman. A little odd. And then there was the adventurous diner who may have tried beef and ox tripe in chili sauce. Not many people are going to go for it with the direct English name. Husband and wife's lung slice. Does that sound appealing? Not really. And there were some other mishaps in translations as well, whether they were typos or whether it was just the way that the, the Chinese names directly translated to English names. Uh, sometimes it didn't work and sometimes it made for some very comedic things. It's kind of like having a, a fire extinguisher that had the English name hand grenade. That's what it was. Could be an anti-loitering sign that says dying right here is strictly prohibited. <laughs> or if you were on a bus and if you needed to know how to handle a pickpocket, there was the sign, if you are stolen, call the police. <laughs> Even some of the headlines in newspapers today, if, if you're not reading them carefully, can come across with a whole different meaning such as a new study for obesity looks for a larger test group. You know, or police begin a campaign to run down jaywalkers. Something went wrong in the jet crash, experts say. It's like, duh. Kids make nutritious snacks. Depends on which way you read that is what it's going to mean. Typhoon rips through cemetery, hundreds dead. Now, some of these typos are very innocent and very funny, and some miscues can carry some very significant consequences. 1991, a single miskeyed character in lines and lines and lines of computer code left more than 12 million customers without phone service. One character. 2005, a Japanese stockbroker was trying to sell one stock, one share of JCOM for 610,000 yen. But he got it switched around. He sold 610,000 shares of JSTOCK for one yen. It was a mistake that cost his company $224 million to correct. And one of the most scandalous, probably, or scandal-making typos of all time, 19, or 1693, 
a London printing house was printing copies of the King James Version Bible. And, well, just look what it says. Thou shalt commit adultery. They left out the word not. That's why this particular version of the Bible, which was quickly recalled, was called the Wicked Bible. Typos happen, and we want to catch them before they go public. Now, reading today's text, you might think that something went wrong. Let's go back and look at this scripture again. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start reading in verse 14. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, some people might have some thoughts that Paul might not quite have meant what he said here, to wit the next couple of lines here. Now, to him, by the power who is able to do far more abundantly than we all ask or even imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Look at this again. Abundantly, far more than all we can ask or imagine. Paul's entire prayer, his entire life, was in service of the gospel. You go back up to verse 7 in chapter 3, and he says this. You go on down to verse 9, and he's, he's talking about how he has attempted to make the spiritual mysteries clear to those to whom he's writing. And then in verse 13, he talks about how he suffered to make Christ known to the Ephesians. And in verse 14, he says, for this reason, for this reason, for all this we've just talked about, Paul says that he can pray for them passionately and specifically. And he offers one of the most beautiful prayers in all of Scripture. And from what we know about the Ephesians, the requests that he makes in this prayer were for everything that the Ephesians needed but didn't know that they needed. He prays for such things as a strengthened spiritual experience. How many want that? A strengthened spiritual experience. Amen. He prays for the tangible presence of Christ. Do you need that? Amen. He prays for belief in how deeply God loved them. You think they needed that? Do we need that? He prays for a life of fullness of God. We need that? Can you imagine what a day in this kind of life would be? 
If we had all of this working in our lives right now, what would that day look like? What would that day at work look like if we had all these blessings working fully in our lives? What would a day with the kids look like with all of this working in our lives? What would a day doing chores look like if we had all of this working fully in our lives? I want you to allow for a little bit of spiritual direction or interpretation here. I want you to imagine... Paul sitting with us, okay? I want you to imagine him listening to our life story, listening to all the things that we deal with, all our struggles, all our successes, everything that goes on in our life. Now he's praying these verses for us. Let's reread these verses and let's substitute us in there instead of the Ephesian you. Go back to verse 14 here. For this reason I bow my knees before the Heavenly Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant us to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. What do you think about that prayer? How do you feel? And how do you respond when he gets to the end here? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What do you think about him praying that for us? You know what? He is. Now when we read this text, some of us may hear flowery words. Kind of like a rehearsed prayer before a wedding meal. Some may sense the calm that comes when well-traveled voices speak reassuring words. And then there's those of us with prayer ADHD that may mentally wander off to other things as the prayer is going on. But then there are some people who will listen very carefully to Paul's prayer. And they're going to ponder a bit. And they're going to think about it. And they're going to compare this prayer to their Christian experience and their their Christian expectations. And you know what they're going to remember? They're going to remember Grandpa's steady advice who said, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. It's kind of like those infomercials. Lose 30 pounds in 30 days while eating pizza. You know, this knife cuts nails like it cuts soft butter. Order within the next 10 minutes and we'll pay off your mortgage. Try this investment strategy and you'll end up being able to levitate as well. What Paul seems to be doing here, you know, he's... he's, 
he's giving us a prayer that it would be amazing. But that's giving a lot, that's asking a lot for my faith experience, isn't it? It's asking a lot. Seems like Paul is expecting his readers to think, this is too good to be true. He closes his prayer with a doxology to pull them in as well. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. Everything Paul asked for the Ephesians in verses 16 through 19 is the power of God at work within us. With that kind of power... He can do infinitely more in us and through us than we even know what to ask for. But where's the typo here? Is there a typo? Can God really do more than we can ask or even imagine? Really? Am I supposed to believe that? You know what? There is a typo there. But the typo is not in the text. It's in our response. That's where the mistake is. Two potential problems here. One, our imagination is bland. Simply put, for a lot of us, we don't have any imagination, do we? Some people are going to have no problem believing what God can do because they don't believe God can do anything big for them at all. So, what do we do? We pray small. We pray for the co- our cold to get better, for the sneezing to stop, the nose to stop running. And you know what? It's eventually going to get better, right? We pray for wisdom in a decision because that's the Christian thing to do. We thank God for the nice meal, even though it's husband or wife's lung slice. We still give thanks for it. But Jesus taught us A no-risk, no-reward approach to faith. No risk, no reward. It's kind of like the approach to workout, right? No pain, no gain, right? No risk, no reward. Think about Matthew chapter 9, verse 22. The bleeding woman who fights her way through the crowd to touch Jesus' cloak. Just a hem of his garment. She risked everything to do that. Because a woman simply did not touch a man. She reached out and touched him. But what did Jesus say? Your faith has made you well. Mark chapter 10, verse 52. Blind Bartimaeus. He's sitting in the crowd. He's hollering to Jesus and everybody's telling him, shut up. Be quiet. Don't bother the master. And he's continuing to holler, Master, Master. Finally, Jesus says, bring him over. What do you want? I want you to make me see. Boom, you can see. He risked everything. Imprisoned friends trashed the rooftop to this guy's house just to drop their buddy down through the middle of it so Jesus could see him and make him walk again. A soldier knew that Jesus could heal his daughter long distance. 
and a prostitute broke in to worship Jesus amid a gathering of religious leaders. Don't tell me these folks didn't have imagination. Don't tell me these folks didn't pray big. They risked everything because they knew that they could get an answer. Folks, if we ask small and imagine small, you know what we're going to get? Exactly. We're going to get small, aren't we? We're going to get what we ask for. But what happens if we dream big? What happens if we take the risk? What happens if we choose faith and pray big? Second problem we might have is that our imagination might be in great shape and that could possibly lead to unmet expectations. Remember how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. On his deathbed in the garden, what did Jesus pray? Not mine, but your will be done. You know, we can imagine anything, and we can ask big. But we need to remember that as a sincere follower of Jesus Christ, yours trumps mine. Right? Yours trumps mine. We can ask big, but while God is omniscient and omnipotent, we aren't. We are not all-knowing and all-powerful. We don't always perceive God at work. We don't see God's hand doing things and working in our lives to arrange things that will benefit us to the best for us. Sometimes we don't see that happening. We don't even have the foresight to see the best answers where we don't expect them or want them. Let me give you an example here. In Joshua chapter 3, Israelites finally make it to their, their goal here. They're standing at the, the border of the land of Canaan. They're at the Jordan River. And all they have to do is cross the river and they can be in the promised land and have the land that God has been promising them for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. The only problem is the Jordan River. It's rippling along. It's going full force. And to beat that, guess what? It's flood season. There's a lot of water here to cross. So how are they going to do it? As In verse 16, as soon as the priest faithfully stepped into the water, something began to happen. And verse 16 says that the Jordan started rising up in a single heap far off at Adam. Now, you know what? Archaeologists tell us today that Adam's probably somewhere around 20 miles from where the Israelites were crossing the river. You think they could see what was happening up 20 miles? Could they see that great heap of water building up? 
what could they see? They could see the water that they were standing in start to go down and start to subside and then finally disappear where they could just go off on ground. That's what they could see. In other words, God was doing something huge for the Israelites. But nobody could see it happening. They couldn't see it. It wasn't within their visual range to see 20 miles upstream. They only saw the results downstream. And folks, that's where God's working most of the time on our lives, isn't it? He's, moved, he's working upstream. He's working out of our visual range, sometimes out of our ability to detect what's going on. He exists outside of our five senses, and folks, that's most of the time where he works, outside of our five senses. I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't hear it. Yet, until we can see, touch, and hear, what do we do? We imagine, we dream, and we take a risk and operate by faith. Because folks, God's doing big things for us, but he's doing them upstream. He's doing them upstream. This passage is a passage that moves us to prayer. Paul prays big to a big God. How many believe that my God is big? You believe that God is big? Amen. Amen. Then we need to pray big to a big God. You believe that God can accomplish anything? You believe that he can accomplish beyond what I can imagine? Hey, I got a pretty good imagination, folks. I don't know about you. If you do, then why aren't you praying it? Based upon who God is, the implication is for us to pray big. Bono is the front man for a rock band by the name of YouTube. You know, most of you probably know who YouTube is. And some time ago, he was asked how he had the energy and the passion for his global justice campaign. You know what his response was? You have to dream out loud and in full color. Dream out loud and in full color. No whisper dreams, no black and white dreams. And we can take this idea here and put it to use in our lives with God, can't we? We have to imagine what God can do for us and take the risk of faith and go for it. Pray big. Pray for cancer healing. Don't pray for cancer remission. Don't pray for cancer to be just long, you know, to deal with in a long way. Pray for it to disappear. Pray for a cure to come along. When it comes to marriages, don't pray that you just get along a little bit better. Pray for redemption in marriages. Pray for your marriage to be redeemed to the way God would have it to be. 
Pray for financial health. Pray for the salvation of your loved ones, your parents, your spouses, your children. Pray for peace amid war. Pray for finding joy despite the suffering that's going on in the world today. Pray for more sense of purpose in life. Pray for feeling Christ's presence in your life. Folks, if you can imagine to pray for it, then guess what? God can exceed that. You find the most imaginative thing that would be a positive effect in your life, and you pray for it, and I guarantee you God can exceed that. That's how wonderful a God we have. That's how powerful a God that we have. You know, prayer is like the fun and challenge of climbing trees as kids. If our prayers don't feel like we're stretching out on a limb a little bit, if we're taking a risk to go from one limb to another, then we're just sitting on the ground. It's safe, but it's not fun. There's no risk. And folks, if there's no risk, guess what? There is no reward. There is no reward. And that is a typo, but that's a typo in my faith. And like all other typos, we want to catch and correct those things before they make a mess. So, what's your prayer life this morning? How are you praying? What kind of things do you have in your life that you need to have corrected, but you're still praying small? You're still praying to have the cold taken care of. You're still praying for cooler weather. You're still praying for these little things. Folks, pray big. If you think you've got sin in your life that you can't even forgive yourself, so how in the world could God forgive it? Pray big, because I guarantee you, He can. Whatever it is, imagine. Have the faith and have the trust to pray big and ask big. And my God and your God will supply. We're going to sing a song of encouragement. Maybe you need to pray big this morning. Maybe there's something really tough going on in your life right now and you're not sure how to even pray for it. You're not sure that God can even take care of it. I guarantee you there's nothing here that God can't take care of. Come and talk to one of our elders this morning and let's pray together and let's pray big. If you've got sin in your life that's keeping you from a right relationship, not only with God, but maybe with your family and your friends and everything else, let's pray big this morning to get that sin taken care of. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you've never been baptized to have your sins taken away, let's do that this morning. It doesn't matter what those sins are, doesn't matter how old you are, whatever it is, God is big enough to take care of all of it. You just got to come to Him, and you got to come to Him now while we stand and sing.